0: That's ljsinnercircle.com, or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Hey, everybody. My name is Brent. And you're listening to the LJS Podcast, episode number five, where today I've got two incredibly special guests joining me on the show today. We've got bassist Wallace Stelzer and drummer Diego Maldonado. Both of these guys are two of my favorite jazz musicians to play with in New York City. And I'm so happy to have them on the show. We have a great discussion in store for you. So you're going to want to hear all this. We're going to be talking about an assortment of things such as how to play well with others, playing in a jazz group and doing that well. Uh, We've got some gig etiquette tips for you, some practice tips for you, so you're going to want to stick around for this. And all the music today on the show is by Wallace Stelzer and his band International Pat Down from his album First Flight. So if you want to check out that music uh, and you like the music, you want to buy the album, go to cdbaby.com and just type in International Pat Down, and you'll find that album there. And we also have an incredibly, incredibly awesome treat for you at the end of the show today. We have an exclusive track from Diego Maldonado's new EP that's coming up. Uh, and you're going to want to hear that. We This is the first time anybody has heard this track. So you're going to be the first. That's at the end of the show. So please stick around to the end of the show. Hear this track from Diego Maldonado's upcoming EP and before we go ahead and get the show started i just want to say that if you find value in this podcast consider adding value back this podcast is 100 percent supported by you our listeners and we are dedicated to keeping this podcast ad free so if you uh, like this podcast if you get some value out of it um, consider supporting us if you're listening to this podcast on the website We have a support button below the player. You can click support and add a donation. And if you're listening to this outside of the website, you can go to slash support and send us a donation there. Okay, without further ado, let's get on Wallace Stelzer and Diego Maldonado. i got special guest drummer Diego Maldonado and bassist Wallace Stelzer. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Thanks
1: for having us, man.
0: Thank you, bro. Sweet. So, uh, you know, for I've know you. i known you guys for a long time. Uh, we went to college together. We've played many gigs together. These guys are like my, uh, my top call musicians if uh, I've got a gig. And uh, these are the guys I call right away, my favorite players to play with. So I know you guys really well, but... Maybe for some of the people that are listening right now, they probably don't know who you are, so let's just do a quick introduction. Wallace, so who the heck are
1: you? Well, like you said, I'm a bass player. I grew up in Houston, Texas, and uh, moved to New York to go to the City College of New York and study with John Patitucci, and that's where I met uh, these guys, and... uh, yeah, I don't know. The, why are you the, still
0: here? Why are you even still here in New York?
1: Why am I still here? Because New York City has no ceiling, I think, to your possible success as a musician. Um, that's really it, because I think actually Houston and a lot of other places around the world have a fantastic uh, jazz scene or music scene in general, um, but New York, I think you have the most opportunities to actually succeed or uh you know get to where you want to be with your career
2: cool good answer what about you diego um, well i'm a well, i'm a drummer um i come from venezuela um, i moved to new york city maybe uh, seven years ago i guess um also to study at city college of uh, new york i studied there with uh, adam cruz and uh, Kendrick scott and mark ferber and, uh, Heavy names. Yeah, that's a great. It was an amazing uh, experience. Uh, and uh, I graduated almost two years ago now. And since then, I've been uh, just uh, playing gigs around the city, working as a freelance jazz drummer. I thought it'd be great to have you guys on the show today because we can
0: talk about, uh, I think, something that a lot of people wonder about, especially if they spend you know, a lot of time in the practice room by themselves and you know you don't get out to play gigs as often or uh you know you you don't get out to play jam sessions as often and so that that's the concept of how to play in a jazz group because it's not as easy as it sounds you know uh, improvising with each other and um you know listening to each other i mean there's so many things when you're playing with a group that you have to worry about and think about uh so i thought it'd be great to have you guys together to to just kind of ask these questions i can How do we play in a jazz group together uh so we got a bassist we got a guitarist we got a drummer uh we don't have a horn player but i'm sure we can talk about that as well um so okay kind of my first question for you guys is what is the most important thing to keep in mind when playing in a group
1: like just the first thing that comes to your mind that you have to focus on i've got one uh it would be splitting your attention or your focus when uh, when you're practicing by yourself or even, yeah. even when you're playing along to a record or uh, with like a play along or something uh, you're still mostly just listening to yourself you're, you're shedding, you're working on your own sound you're trying to make sure that everything that you're playing is is good and sounds fantastic, right? that's what you want but when you're playing in a group that can actually kind of be detrimental if you're focusing too heavily on yourself and your own playing because right. you're working with other people it's happening in the moment uh, jazz is an interactive art form and if you're not interacting with the other people around you, the other musicians, you're not really, uh, I don't think, playing jazz the way that it's kind of meant to be played. But, but how, how do you do that? Because, you know, it's hard, it's hard to split your focus. It, like It
0: certainly is. Because, I mean, <laughs> you know, you'll be like, play, I do this all the time when I'm playing. I'm like focusing, you know, let's say I'm, I'm comping, I'm accompanying somebody, and, you know, I sometimes I'll even catch myself wait a second am I even listening to what the soloist is playing right now
3: yeah and absolutely. I'll be because
0: I'm, I'm focusing on what I'm playing and it's hard to like how do you how do you do that how do you split your attention between yourself and what you're playing and making sure you're, you're playing things right you're in the right spot in the song all, I mean all these things and what the the soloist
2: or the other musicians in the band are playing I, I think one, something that I, I, I've always uh, thought about is like you need to practice how to come you need to practice how to play with other musicians. In your practice room, you have to put yourself in that situation and imagine that you're playing with uh, with, with so- someone else because at the end, what you want to do is uh, play something that is going to make the music in general sound better, the band sound better. and uh, yeah. And at least for me as a drummer, I have to like... For drummers, we are comping 98% of the time we're playing on the yeah. band. Yes. So it's important for us at least to spend the same amount of time practicing how to comp and how to play with somebody else, how to, to have a solid uh, tempo and groove. And So I think the best way to to be comfortable playing with the band is practicing and putting yourself in that situation in the practice room and spend the same amount of time you know just playing groove just comping, playing with uh, playing along with records or with uh play play along tracks or or even with the metronome but just be uh um just make sure that you're expending that amount of, of time practicing how to come how to play with somebody else mm-hmm. i think that's very important yeah i think uh for for bass and and for
1: i think actually other like Rhythm section instruments like harmonic that have a harmonic role. A big part of it is trying to pay attention to the harmony that the other people are playing. So I'll, I'll talk about it from a bass player perspective. Um, you you do want to have you do want to be focusing on what you're playing because you know at the end of the day if you are not playing something uh, well, then that's a problem. So you do yeah. definitely want to have like your own sound put together, but um, you also want to. the way I kind of do it is listen for little cues and so I when I'm like listening for a band it's not that I'm necessarily trying to focus on every single thing that's being played at once but I'm trying to listen for little rhythmic phrases uh, cues from the drummer or from the other player yeah and and I'm trying to listen for like particularly altered chords like colorful chords uh, that I can like realize pretty quickly and then try and incorporate that incorporate that into like the bass line that I'm playing mm-hmm. so for example like there's uh, I think with the bass and the drums and uh, the guitar and the piano as well uh, and jazz like when you're playing a swing song uh, which is you know most of the time I'd say
0: yeah I mean like I don't know like 65, 8, 75% of the time yeah. I mean yeah. traditionally anyways
2: but yeah. well I have another thought about about like playing uh, on, a, on a bandstand is because uh, music is a language and it should be as natural as just having a conversation with friends and uh, so you have to spend time learning the language if if you're playing jazz if you're playing rock or right. whatever any style any style is like a different language I, I, I've always uh, seen music like that like and in maybe my case that I come from another country and I had to learn how to speak English. Uh, I speak Spanish and English, and for me the process how to learn uh, English and be comfortable to having a conversation, I come here and 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 being on a, on a podcast with with my friends and talk uh, fluent in English was uh, was kind of the same process for me to learn how to to play jazz and be comfortable in the bandstand playing so the the for me the main risk the main thing that you have to focus on is on uh learning the language and then you're gonna feel every, every time you're gonna feel more natural playing on a, on a bandstand yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that,
0: that's that's probably i would say the key thing is learning the language knowing what to listen for because mm-hmm. yeah. uh if you don't even know what to listen for you're you know, you will be too focused on what you're actually doing. If you know what to listen for, like Wallace said, you know, rhythmic cues from the drummer. Exactly. Uh, what, you know, is the piano player, guitar player playing an altered chord or not? You know, n- knowing what that even sounds like mm-hmm. and knowing how to actually react to that situation um, and yet you may not get everything like not, right not, yeah. and you don't have to yeah. you, you don't, don't have, have to, to get exactly. everything you don't have to yeah you're not going to get everything you know and it's kind of like we're talking with each other right now mm-hmm. I mean you're not necessarily you're also while I'm talking thinking about what you're going to say back right exactly
1: absolutely you know
0: so and, and also you have to respond right away just like language you know yeah uh, there's this record uh, that I started listening to it's it's a West Montgomery record uh, smoking at the Half Notes with the Winton Kelly Trio. Mm, great, right? um, and there's this one part in the so uh, in in uh, and Kelly's solo on No Blues. You Should check out this record. Uh, it's at some point in Winton Kelly's solo, and Wes just decides to play this very dissonant, you know, rhythmic thing at the beginning of this chorus, and immediately Winton Kelly just tags into it and starts playing. That idea into a solo, and you're, it just blew my mind. Like, how did they do that? You know, but but these guys have been listening to this music so much, like they know what to listen for. They've been playing it. I mean, yeah. So it's
1: really just a language thing. So I would say that the the speech or like the language metaphor has certainly been uh, explored before, but it's just so
2: uh, it's so accurate. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's kind of you can't get I mean, really get away it, from it. Yeah, it's because because music is this language. It right? is a language. So. so and every time, if you go deeper, deeper into music, you realize that how how it, and it works just exactly like a language. And uh, and if you go and learn a different language, you're gonna see how when when you go to a, a school to learn a new language, the way they broke they break the language down to to so you can learn it is basically the same way we mm-hmm. are breaking down music right, to yeah. learn it. So so. I mean, I think that's, that's the most important thing like you have to think about when, when you're playing in a group. Like I, I'm able to, it's like if you wanna go to Germany and you don't speak German, you're gonna have a really hard time communicating and, and, and doing stuff over there. So it's the same, if you, don't, if you wanna play jazz, you need to learn the, the jazz language and then it's gonna be way more easy and natural for you to play in a band.
0: So, so uh, I I have a, que- I have a question. Uh, so, what what Diego? What role does the drums play in in a group? And you know, I don't know. Maybe it, it differs depending on the size of the group. But as far as what do you, what your job is, what exact what exactly is it?
2: Yeah, well, it, it depends on the on the size of the group. It is it, it depends on the the style of the group. Uh, but now that, that since we're talking about jazz here, I would say. Uh, on a jazz setting, uh, I think, well, the first thing that you have to, to, to cover is uh, having a, a relaxed and, and solid uh, time. Uh, have a, a nice and relaxed uh, groove. And uh, once you have that covered, then you just can start interacting and reacting with, uh, with the other musicians and uh as we were talking about it's just uh, having a, a nice conversation and just you know trying to uh catch on a cue from the bass player the guitar player the horn player and just like try to develop that idea and bring something you know uh but the the the, the core would be you know just uh providing a solid and relaxed time and a nice groove i would say
3: yeah
1: also i think um This is a personal preference, but I would say probably 80% or so of my favorite drummers also have one other skill that I think is really important for playing jazz, which is the ability to play with intensity and energy. While playing quietly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, there's like I said, there's a few drummers that, you know, they play loud all the time, and I still love them because they just have so much energy and, they, you know, they feel so good. Yeah. But, you know, I'd say the, the vast majority of the drummers that I really, really like to play with and that I like to listen to can play amazingly and play at a very low volume level.
0: Right. Well, right, because, you know, a lot of people think that volume is like... You know, means more energy. That's not necessarily true. I mean, no. if you're able to play, you know, actually, I remember um, I was what this interview uh, with Jeff Hamilton. He was asking the drummer Jeff Hamilton, he, you know, he played in the Ray Brown trio for a while. Uh, I think someone asked him at this masterclass, What was your favorite song to play with Ray Brown? And his answer was uh, Little Darlin, the, the ballad. And um, he said it was the most energy he felt in the band when they were playing that ballad. But, you know, he was, he's on brushes the whole time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, I Yeah, I
2: one thing is uh, intensity. You can be intense without being loud. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, a drummer uh, needs to provide that to the band, you know, like brings us, uh, uh, yeah, you know, those intense moments, I think most of the time are provided by by, by obviously because we create a different kind of tension so sometimes when you mix both like if you have a horn solo and he's going super out and creating all this dissonance, I mean I can't create rhythmic uh, uh, tension and if you combine both that's when you get those really intense moments and on the performance you know. Yeah
1: and i say as a bass player I can get frustrated sometimes when you're playing with drummers that are just too loud. Uh, because you know the bass is actually a, a pretty soft uh, acoustic instrument. It's yeah. not really that loud, uh, no matter how kind of how hard you play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it just
0: you, or is it-,
1: uh, <laughs> it? It's not just me. It's not just me. Okay. Okay. Just- uh, <laughs> no, you can know uh, you can turn up your amplifier and stuff, but you know really the the acoustic properties of the instrument are limited. You know? So compared to say like a saxophone or the drum set or mm-hmm. you know even an electric guitar or something. Um, but so, I'm sorry. Oh
0: well, I was maybe uh, I cut you off. I was going to ask, what like what is the role of the bass player? I mean, I've heard people say like that the bass player is the actual timekeeper of the band.
1: Do you agree with that? I mean, I think it's it's pretty much actually evenly distributed across the band. But uh I think certainly people look to the bass and the drums. Um. For that steady timekeeping, which you know that is our function, um, but I'll. So yes, you know I want to have my time so strong, you know, as a bass player that uh, if, let's say you're playing with musicians that don't quite have their time together, that you know, my time will be enough to keep the band moving, you know, at, at you know smoothly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, w- I truly do believe that you know uh, basically everybody playing anybody who is playing uh, is responsible equally for the time. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Um,
0: what What about this? Uh, I think I, th- I think Diego mentioned this earlier uh, about accompanying as a drummer and how that's mm-hmm. like the mostly of what you do. And I, and I would say you know as as a a company, like as a, a guitar player, and I think I can speak for piano players as well. That is a, a huge important thing that we do is accompany. And so, do you guys think that, like you said, how everybody's responsible for the rhythm is everybody responsible uh,
1: as a accompanist for the band at one point in time while while everybody's playing? Does that make sense? I think so. I mean, I so. we we have to, right? I mean, where the the rhythm section is responsible for providing context. For mm-hmm. the, the, the melody soloist. and the soloist, right? So. Yeah.
2: So yeah, I think it's a, it's. I mean, it's a teamwork, you know. Uh, yeah, definitely teamwork. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I would say yes. This is, a, this is everybody's responsibility to have to keep time and to create a, a nice uh, con- context for for the for the soloist. This everybody's responsibility. Yeah.
1: yeah. and I'd say you know you. You have one element that's missing and it, it, you know, you're kind of only as strong as your weakest link. Exactly. Uh, so. So what does that mean? You just vibe the weakest player? Yeah, definitely exactly. just vibe <laughs> them as hard as possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they'll definitely get, they'll get better faster if you do it that way. Or they'll leave. Or they'll leave. Yeah. Either way, it's a win-win. Exactly. It's a win-win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Just in case you think that was serious, uh, if you're on the website right now listening, you can look up in the search bar why vibing is bad for jazz. I think that's the name of the article. Uh, (laughs) You can hear why you shouldn't listen to anything we're saying, basically is what I'm trying to say. Um, Okay, here's one. Biggest pet peeve playing in a group on the bandstand at a gig? Or jam
1: session? Biggest pet peeve. Like, what annoys you the most? Um... I think actually one of the the things that frustrates me the most is when you get up to play like with new players or some you know people that you haven't played with before, and you try and figure out what song you're gonna play and they <laughs> the notorious like everybody the death deathly silence at oh, the end of a song <laughs> I, it's so it's just absolutely brutal and and uh, you know, I think it's so easy to just go through you know several tunes. And, you know, if if you keep finding, okay, that they don't know that one, I didn't know this one, you know, then after maybe four or five, you know, uh, suggestions, just go with something that's really, you know, basic and that everyone can play. Because I, exactly. I find it particularly really frustrating when, you know, somebody calls a song, you don't know it, they vibe you, uh, they're like, <laughs> okay, well, what song do you want to play? You know, and it's just like, man, like nobody needs that, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sure each person here knows a hundred songs and I'm sure that 50 of them overlap <laughs> between it's like, it's, everyone it's like, here. It's like
0: everybody has too big of an ego to play like yeah. All of Me or something, <laughs> exactly. you know, but, and, yeah. that's and like- it's like, that's okay. I mean, if everybody knows the song, then that's perfect and I also think, you know, what defines good musician is being able to play, you know, create something new on a song every time. So I hear, I hear that a lot. People are like, "I hate that song. I hate that song." And maybe I've yeah, it's been ridiculous. guilty yeah. at one point in time.
1: But you know, there's always something new to happen on the song, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. And particularly a jam session, because you know, this isn't your gig. This isn't like you know a project you've put together. It's a jam session, so you know you've got to be more flexible, right? Mm-hmm.
0: It's like you go you go to a gig or jam session, and, and like some guy calls twenty six two. Yeah, I and mean, then it's like yeah. like <laughs> maybe there's one other person who knows it, but then the rest don't know it, and then that same guy you know says some other obscure like Wayne Shorter tune or something like that. Yeah, and then they yeah. don't know it either, and then they go ahead and they call some other like just way out there tune that you know who knows that. So I mean, I think to the same it's like, extent. All right, dude. I find it. it
1: really frustrating as well when people want to play standard songs in different keys. Yeah. Uh, you know they're like, well, you know, okay, let's play a blues alright fine but let's play it in B and it's like man why you or they know, do something why? like vibey <laughs> why do you want to play it blues yeah. in B can we play man? Stella <laughs> in uh, G flat it's
0: like can we not play it in G flat can we just yeah. play in the like I mean it's like yeah, you know. Okay, I get like, what you're trying to do. You're trying to test how good of a musician I am, but I mean, is that really necessary? Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs>
2: I mean it's. Just, I think
1: that's kind of sort of thing is just ridiculous. Yeah, for
2: me, I mean, it's kind of the same. Though uh, I think the vibing in general, when you go to a jam session and you just find a bunch of musicians vibing each other, I mean, for me, that's a like a deal breaker. That sometimes I just mm-hmm. get up and leave. You know, I, I that's not. I, I don't think that is a. Um, a healthy environment to 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 like develop as a musician. No, uh, so uh, I think that for me, it's, that is like what kills a a, a nice uh, experience in a jam session. Yeah, like just the vibing thing. Right. Yeah. Mm. For me, for me, okay.
0: My 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 big pet peeve. I hate it when whoever, like, if you're the soloist. I hate it. Whoever is accompanying for you, whether it be a piano player or a or a, or a piano or a guitar player, and and they're just playing too damn much. You know, they're just like, <laughs> play, just you know, basically anything you play doesn't matter because they're just layering it on top with a wall of sound.
1: Like oh, I can't yeah. stand it when. They're, like, I think you know. every bass player who's ever picked up the instrument knows what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um,
0: it's it's just you know it's not necessary you know we're all guilty of it from one point in time to another and that goes back to that listening thing sometimes you yeah. might be listening too much to yourself and not to whoever's actually playing um, so that that that's always a problem uh, that 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 one drives me nuts I can't yeah. I just can't stand it um, it's like I'm I'm trying to play something here but I can't do anything when you're just. <laughs> You know, throwing
1: up all over it. Anyways, yeah, definitely, guys, work on your comping. I think that uh, for jazz is it's like the, the hardest most, thing. Yeah. It's the hardest thing, and it's the most important. It's like, honestly, when you're playing with good musicians, that is the first thing I think you notice. Uh, like, if I go to a jam session and I I see somebody sit down on the piano that I've never met before, and I'm and I'm wondering, you know, how okay, I wonder how this person sounds. The first Indication of whether or not they can really play is going to be okay. How do they comp they, for the melody? Yeah, right. You know, how do they comp for the melody, and then how do they comp during solos? Yeah. Uh, I don't even have to hear them solo uh, to know if they're a good piano player or not. Or you know, same goes for guitar. Yeah, I can tell right away. And the next thing is how well do they play Giant Steps? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just
0: kidding. Um, oh, quick question for Wallace. So me and Wallace, we actually we play a, a duo gig. Bass and guitar every every Saturday. So you know we basically hate playing with each other because we do it way too much. Um, but if you how, live in New York, you should come see us. Yeah, come see <laughs> us, hundred uh, fifth Street and uh, Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Broadway, yeah. Henry's.
1: Henry's restaurant.
0: Enjoy some great food and some great jazz. <laughs> this ad was brought to you by. Uh, so what, <laughs> my question was, how does it change? You know, you might play a certain way when you're in a trio or when you're in a quartet or even a bigger group. How do things change when you strip it down to just two musicians? Like, do you do
1: anything different? Like, absolutely. I actually think that duo is a really, really interesting and fun way to to, to play jazz, like as a bass player. So I think trio. The difference between duo and trio is not really that huge. But then the difference between trio and anything larger is actually really Mm -hmm. a pretty big difference. But let's talk talk about duo, because it it definitely is its own animal. Um, There's a lot more responsibility that you have uh, in a duo situation. You have to take on 100% of the rhythmic uh, support role, (laughs) right? Like, there is no drummer. You have to provide all the time. I mean, it's a duo, so you both do. You both have to provide the time. The bass player, you know, you... Take on that extra function of the drums, um, and you also take on this extra function of a comping instrument. Uh, right. Now that the bass always has that, you know, these roles the bass always has. But there's more responsibility just heightened when it's a duo, yeah. and I think there's more room in duo uh, to interact with the other player. So I personally really love playing duo because uh, I can play a little bit busier. I can play a little bit with more. Uh, yeah, I guess interaction, you know, response to what the other player is, is uh, doing at, at any given point in time. But it's difficult because you have to make sure, you know, that you don't... If you do something crazy, you know, like I know I when we play, every once in a while, I'll do some weird little, you know, thing with the time. I'll do like <laughs> yeah. a modulation or I'll do a weird phrase that, you know, I'll do like a, a couple of three-note phrases or something instead of a, you know, normal four-note. Throw me under the bus. And, and yeah, every once in a while, it's like... <laughs> Oh, man, Uh, that definitely totally threw off Brent uh, or whoever I'm playing with. I need to make sure not to do that, you know, or 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 do it better. Do it in a way that, you know, benefits the music and doesn't kind of confuse the other player. Right. Um, I mean, all this to
0: say, though, like for the guitar players, the piano players, other chordal instruments playing in a duo. Everybody should do it uh, playing in a duo kind of a situation because. I mean, you can't just be relying on, on the drums Which we all use as a crutch way too much Or even the bass player in this example like, You have to know the time yourself yeah, uh, And you will find out very quickly if you don't And if you should be practicing with the metronome a lot more often mm-hmm. uh, I know for me, I many a time have um, you know, come to this stark reality That that's something I need to be <laughs> practicing Because in a situation like that, it, you're naked It's like you're exposed yeah. So now one one quick tip I would give, though, for, again, these chord roll instruments is don't feel like you have to, you know, clog up the music with a bunch of chords. You know, that's a tendency is like, oh, there's it feels naked because there's no yeah, drums. Actually, you, I agree. You don't you don't necessarily really? need to be busier or, you know, I know a lot of guitar players. You know, we only have so many fingers to play things. We're not like piano players. And we feel like oh yeah, every single note I play in the melody has to be a chord you try just actually not playing chords at all and see what happens. And actually some great things can happen. sounds great. uh,
2: For me, uh, I really enjoy playing chordless trios, like bass, bass, sax, and drums. Oh, yeah. And that opens everything up and uh, I really have fun every time I play a trio like that. Uh, And and I imagine a sax and bass duo, that would be super fun
1: really fun it is fun because you you the harmonic role is opened up you have because there is no comping instrument and like what brent was saying if you play a a chordal instrument yeah don't just feel like you have to play chords all the time because uh you can play your you know single lines as much as you want Um, and you can
2: still be uh you know uh um, um Telling their harmony, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the chords, you know, and it opens up and
1: gives me so much more room as a bass player to, you know, let's say play alternate changes or not even play different changes, but play a bass line, you know, just how I want to play it, right? Where you know, when you have a chord, it's kind of like, okay, well, that was a two, five, one, and they played it, you know, let's say minor two, and then. Altered five. Okay. Well, let's say I didn't really want to play that altered five. I wanted to play a, a natural five chord. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to play that normal two. You know, um, it opens things up. Yeah. So it just yeah. gives you more. You know, more. Yeah, choices. I suppose. <laughs>
0: talked a lot about how to actually play in a jazz group, you know, whatever the scenario may be. Uh, what about gig etiquette? Like wh- like the actual job side of it. Um, is there any like particular behavior you think is appropriate or inappropriate
1: on the bandstand? Be on time. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, that's, that's
0: important. Uh, what did you say, Wallace?
1: You say be on time? I said, <laughs> I said be on time. That is the thing I struggle with the absolute most. Uh, <laughs> right moving to new york that was the biggest challenge for me was making sure i was at a gig uh, early enough to get set up and not make my uh, band members uh, freak out and have a heart
2: attack i was gonna send you like 10 texts in like five (laughs) like five minutes one minute that
1: that is uh i think rule number one be on time
2: yeah uh dress properly that's important thing and even more here in new york city sometimes you get to play in a lot of like really fancy clubs or 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 parties And uh, You have to have uh, A nice suit And a nice tie And be ready to Use it Yeah
3: <laughs>
0: Yeah <laughs> yeah, d- d- yeah Like don't show up to uh, A cocktail hour In a white t-shirt With jeans You know Like That's just you, You're gonna lose the gig For the rest of everybody else If you do that And listen We all We all know people That have done that before oh, yeah. So it's not like It's an unheard of thing Um oh, yeah. I here's here's a good one for all the musicians is you know handle your liquor you know I feel <laughs> like I mean yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know so many music like because it's an interesting job we get to drink on the job you know pretty much every gig I've ever played you know you usually get at least a couple drinks, a couple drinks on the house yeah. you know um, actually okay I got a, I got yeah. a really funny story I have to share this story um, I may have told you guys this story before but everybody listening doesn't know this story um, I was playing this gig in Seattle once and it was a late night gig at this bar and um, it was a crazy busy bar and and all this stuff anyways the bass player and by the way all my Seattle friends who are listening you do not know these people don't worry I'm not talking about you Um, (laughs) uh, the bass player showed up you know incredibly late you know okay 15 minutes late I would consider that incredibly late he showed up 15 minutes late and he kind of waltzes in He's like You know We're like Oh you know Getting ready to play But it's Everybody seems pretty relaxed It gets people out there Out west are more relaxed Than us East coasters Anyways uh, So he's like Oh let me grab a couple of Drinks at the bar Really quick So he goes to the bar Gets a couple shots of whiskey uh, Comes <laughs> up onto the bandstand yeah, First set goes pretty well uh, Then we had a break uh, We all went and got some drinks Stuff like that At one point in the gig I'm looking back At the bass player And He's like, his eyes are half closed. He's leaning up against the wall, mindlessly <laughs> plucking his strings, like just wasted on the gig. Um, I, I guess it worked for the situation because everybody in the bar was sufficiently drunk as well, it seemed, and cheering at a jazz show of yeah. all shows. People were cheering loudly. It was, it was bizarre. It was a bizarre night. Uh, needless to say... You know, watch your liquor, you know, be responsible, drink, you know, have a few drinks, whatever. Yeah. Whatever's good for you, but don't drink too much. It's just really unprofessional.
1: Yeah, in fact, I've actually, I used to have this this regular gig in Houston that uh, was at a pretty nice restaurant, and we would get, to, so the band had basically had a a tab, I suppose, that uh, we could use to purchase drinks and food. And unfortunately, some, they I think they had music two or three nights a week and so one of the guys at one of the other nights um, apparently had a real bad <laughs> experience there got way too drunk and caused uh, some trouble for the restaurant and oh so they decided to take away the whole tab altogether for oh. like, all the bands <laughs> so and you that's know just, that's a drag yeah. don't do that don't be that guy <laughs> you know let us all just drink responsibly enjoy ourselves drink after the gig
0: Okay, uh, just to close up the show, guys. Any
2: practicing tips that you want to share that you like to do? Um, well, the metronome is super important. Practice with a metronome. Uh, as I said before, just try to put yourself in a on like real musical situations when you, when you're practicing. Whatever whatever you're practicing, try to make the exercise. Musical and and something that you can actually use while you're performing. I think that's very very important to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I guess for me, I'd rather give advice on more how to practice than what to practice. Um, because I think with practicing, the the kind of the two biggest factors to consider are you know consistency and. Quality of, of practice. So, yeah. what that means for me is is uh, I try and practice every day. And when I do, I'm not so much interested in trying to practice. You know, five hours a day like that. It, it, let's be honest. You know, you can't do that and make a living. You know, you don't have that kind of time usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's more about how can I try and have really quality practice and in an hour or in two hours. You know, yeah. and so what that meant for me is. I would actually make i would take an index card and i would write out my little practice schedule and i would you know focus on little exercises that i had that would focus on some aspect of of my playing Mm -hmm. and i would work on each of those for no more than 10 minutes because i Mm -hmm. figured 10 minutes was my absolute maximum uh, amount of time that i could really focus on practicing you know so it's like okay you want to practice your scales well, practice one or two scales for ten minutes because after about ten minutes, you know, for me, I would start to kind of zone out, and my the the quality of my practice would go down. So right. You yeah. know, so I would work on one thing for like five minutes or so, and it's kind of like okay, if you do five minutes every day, that's really focused five minutes, and then you know, that five minutes, another five minutes, another ten minutes. You know, all of a sudden you've you've practiced something. Intensely for you know an hour and a half, and you do that over and over again every day. That really builds up a lot faster yeah, and a lot better than if you spend you know 30 minutes working on scales a day, but yeah. you're only really actually getting five or ten minutes of you know, right. quality practice. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think
2: it's important also to leave some time to actually have fun with the instrument, absolutely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's how you started. That's why you start playing the the yeah. instrument because you want to you want to just play in a band with friends and go to parties and you know get the girls and whatever. <laughs> but uh uh and uh, and you need to remind yourself that all the time. Yeah, like, totally. that, that's how you that's why you became a musician. And so you have to leave sometimes maybe if you don't have the time to practice two 3 hours every day at least once a week or, or twice a week yeah at least 15 half an hour just to play yeah. whatever you want yeah. and have yeah. some fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Uh, for me, if you listen well so if you listen to episode four of this podcast, I talk about uh, three things that every jazz musician should practice, and so if you haven't checked that out, checked out that, that episode. I, those are things that I really stand by that every jazz musician should practice. Um, but I, I believe in episode one of this podcast, I talk about four habits to better practicing. And that's a little bit more on the lines of of what Wallace was talking about. Um, And I would say the number one thing is write down your goals. Start with your big goals that you have for your playing. You know, think big. Where do I want to be in the next year or two? What do I want to sound like? What do I want to accomplish? And once you've established those big goals for your playing, go ahead and bring it down to uh, smaller goals. Um, And, you know, what do I need to get done this week? To end up getting to this goal at the end of the month, you know. I think if you set goals for yourself, um, and it's been proven time and time again, study after study, you set goals for yourself, and especially if you write them down, you're just going to be more successful in general. Um, and and so if you set yourself up that way, your practice sessions are you're going to get a lot more out of them by doing that. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that's all we have time for today. I want to thank you, Diego, Wallace. Thanks so much for being on the show today. We appreciate having you guys.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having us.
0: that's all for our show today we want to thank you so much for joining us and tuning in if you have any comments any questions anything to add to our discussion today we invite you to leave a comment in our comments section below if you're listening to this on the website and if you want to learn more about wallace stelzer go to wallace Or if you want to learn more about Diego Maldonado, go to diegothedrummer.com. Be sure to sign up for his newsletter there to get notified when his new EP is coming out. Also, for you drummers, I hear rumor that he's coming out with his vlog soon. So be sure to get connected with that to get all kinds of lessons and tips from him. And remember that if you enjoyed today's show, you got some value out of it, consider supporting us by clicking the support button below if you're listening to this on the website. If you're not, go to LearnJazzStandards.com slash support and help us out there. We're going to be coming out with episode number six of the LGS podcast next week. But before we leave, like I promised, we have a very special treat for you. This is a never heard before track. You're the first ones to hear it from Diego Maldonado's upcoming EP. This song is called In This Complicated Thing. Listen in.